0: And welcome back to Dear Old World, my podcast where I bring on my super creative friends and we have conversations about what it's like to make stuff and be friends. Uh, If you're new here, this is a podcast that I have done originally on my Patreon, but I have at this point so many episodes backlogged that I decided I wanted to share them with the public. So if you like what you hear here, you can hear more on my Patreon at patreon.com slash mkwiles. And every episode on Patreon is not only just an interview, but also a behind-the-scenes portion as well where I talk about one of my projects. But here on this public episode this week, my guest is Jenny D., my dear friend. Friend. I first met Jenny at LeakyCon like a decade ago when she was cosplaying Arya Stark. I still remember like talking to her backstage when she was dressed as Arya and I was dressed as Galadriel. And we have remained friends for all that time and... We have worked together multiple times, even though what we do is, like, very different. She is a cosplayer and a DD and d content creator. She has just blown up in the last couple of years because of her really fantastic critical role cosplays and um, original songs and, like, all kinds of stuff that she does. She's truly, like, she's just incredible. And she's such an inspiration to me and I'm sure to many others and getting to watch her grow in her career these last few years has been beyond amazing. And we were lucky enough to have her as a part of Headless, A Sleepy Hollow Story, the major project that I produced uh, last year in 2022. She plays Verla Wolfson, who is one of our favorite characters we've ever created. Nobody really knows uh, what Verla is or where she came from. And um, Ginny plays her just so perfectly, just exactly what we hoped for. And we're so lucky that she was a part of it. So obviously we won't be talking about Headless or any of the more recent things that she has done because this interview was originally recorded in July of 2021, so it's almost a couple years old, but she has given me permission to share it with you. And if you want to know more from Jenny, she has her own Patreon you can go join, she puts out weekly youtube videos she's just like truly a content machine so there's plenty more where this came from uh and yeah i guess i'll i'll let her get right to it and tell us about it and uh hope you enjoy the episode
1: hi jenny hi
0: how are you I'm just swell. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast and talk with you about all the just uh, thousands of amazing things that you do. We're not even going to have time to scratch the surface, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it.
1: I'm excited to be here on your podcast because then it just means that we can hang out. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, super excited to have you in Headless because you're amazing and we Gosh. love you, but I have said this to
1: you. I'm genuinely just excited to hang out with you. <laughs> Me too. Especially, like, I was just starting to think about, I was starting to sort of loosely in my head plan, like, a work trip to L.A. Mm-hmm. to, like, collaborate with people and stuff right when the pandemic hit. So, obviously, mm. none of that happened. Didn't
0: happen. Yeah. Well, hopefully this can be that for you. Also, not to get too into it, but Sean and Sinead have been working on the script, as they always are. And <laughs> the other day, Sinead was like, who is who is the best character? Is it Verla? I think it's Verla. <laughs> I, I am so
1: honored that you have
0: chosen me for this weird creepy girl i hope uh once you actually read the full script and just see all the weird stuff she does you're not like what what did i sign on
1: <laughs> i highly doubt you can make something that's too weird for me
0: <laughs> well good yeah how are you what's going on in your world and your creative life
1: Oh, man, I've got so I've been working on a big project recently. I don't normally do those. Most of my projects are like maximum of one month of working Mm -hmm. on it just because I'm working on such a constant schedule. I can never really get that big with anything. Mm -hmm. But I've been working on like the first big project that I've done probably since my calendar last fall, um, which is an EP. My first EP, a short album, and it's all original songs, which is like still a pretty new thing for me i'm impressed because i feel like
0: i mean obviously i like to sing we've we've sung together many a time but like i can't write music and i'm so impressed that you're doing it
1: i spent so long feeling exactly the same way like oh i can do parody and i can do covers but i Mm -hmm. can't do original stuff and then it turns out actually like i can if i decide (laughs) to you know kind of the way that anything is and I was a little worried actually writing this EP because I wrote one original mermaid song. It's all mermaid focused, it's all mermaid mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. I wrote one and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I did a little EP, maybe like three songs? And then I was like, is that too many to write? Will I be able to write two more songs about mermaids? I ended up writing five, so. Love it. I just have a lot more like mermaid vibes in my soul than I remembered or than I I expected.
0: (laughs) I love that so much. I love that you're like, what do I want to do? Write mermaid songs (laughs) and you're
1: doing it and people are going to love it. It does feel like kind of a, I don't know, just like a weird direction for me to go because all my stuff that I've pretty much ever done has been based on some sort of fandom or media. Mm -hmm. And even now, a lot of my quote unquote original stuff is like tied to Dungeons and Dragons canon and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. this is like this is just completely out of my brain I mean obviously Mm -hmm. it's referencing folklore and mythology and stuff sure
0: sure well if anybody's about doing what you want to do that's what we do at Shipwrecked and I can't tell you how many times we've gone on meetings and people are like okay but like what if you did something more mainstream and we're like no <laughs> not interested in that okay so I mean that's the cool thing is that there are people out there who will like your weird thing and will get into it so yeah awesome. that's
1: the joy of the internet finding the people yeah. who like your specific weird thing
0: yeah one of one of the joys the internet affords one yes. of the, some joys
1: <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> One of the many feelings the internet ins- inspires.
0: Uh, I will say, um not to be whatever, but uh, <laughs> after we announced Matt Mercer, which obviously we're so excited about and got us a lot more eyeballs on Project, we had, we had a few people that were making some comments that we were just like, what? <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, I immediately thought of you and your everlasting frustration with internet uh, comments because I started to feel some of it. We had people be like, what is this? I can't tell. It isn't clear. Is this animation? (laughs) Is this a movie? And we're just like, what? did you watch we
1: say web series 40 times in the video I was gonna say one person like was really convinced that it was a live play D&D game and this was before Matt got announced so this was like just because they saw me on it and I was like I I mean it'd be cool like a sleepy hollow live play D&D game would be cool but that's not what this is
0: oh my gosh it's like you think you're doing everything you can to be clear and then somehow somebody will not read it.
1: This is (laughs) my latest like perpetual frustration is that I do all these videos giving advice about how to roleplay in D&D. And Mm -hmm. I say over and over, there are like two disclaimers that I give over and over. One of them is no matter what I'm talking about, I basically say, listen, this is like, this is a really flexible game. If you don't want to do things the way that I'm talking about, then don't. Like I'm just giving you an uh, optional advice, but I'm not saying you have to do this or that you won't have fun if you don't. And then the other thing that I always say is make sure to communicate with your DM and your table because every table is different. And some of the things that I think would be fun and that my table thinks would be fun, other tables might not enjoy that. So it's like, yeah, you should always be talking to the actual people you're playing with to make sure all this is cool. No matter how many times I say that, every single video, I get multiple comments from people who are like, well, at my table, we can't do it. And it's like, I don't even know why I bother. The people who need those disclaimers are not listening to them.
0: Yeah, that is true. That is true. But it still is unendingly frustrating when you're like genuinely taking the time to try and answer the thing that you know people are going to like make comments about. And then they still do it anyway. And you're just like, what?
1: what am i doing <laughs> with my life <laughs> yeah i think a lot of times like we you know we're we online creator type people like most of what we're doing is communicating like we're communicating mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that's the whole job yeah. so when you try to communicate and you consider yourself to be someone who like is maybe good at communicating Mm-hmm. And then it just feels like you're not reaching people. It just is so frustrating. It's like, it's this is my one thing.
0: Yeah, and it's ultimately never, like, your fault. Like, you can't make somebody pay attention. Like, you just can't. That's true. That's it's true. So, but that's so frustrating when you are trying so hard. It is. Um. Well, boy, we could talk about internet frustrations for a while.
1: I know. I was going to say, do you want your whole podcast to just be (laughs) us talking about the the annoying things on the internet? (laughs) But
0: uh, I would love to hear from you, gosh, just like your creative journey and like how you got where you are and how you started as like a cosplayer and also performer and you do so many things and I would just love to hear how that all developed in your
1: life. Well, sure. I'll try and say it in, in a way that is like concise and hopefully linear. <laughs> I So I always say that from when I was very young, like from my fir- from when I first started doing anything, I've always been a person who, when I find something that I like, I really want to put my hands on it and make something with it. I've always just been someone who engages with things that I like by creating. Um, Long before I even got into like fan fiction and stuff like that, which I Definitely went through a phase where I did. Uh, (laughs) But even when I was significantly younger, like I remember when I first went to the Renaissance Festival, I enjoyed it so much. I was maybe 12 or something. I enjoyed it so much. I came home and I like organized a neighborhood, not neighborhood, for like my cul-de-sac, a little Ren (laughs) fair in the backyard. I like had my dad, I had my dad like grill turkey legs and stuff, you know, and I did these little games. And um, I think I charged admission. I was... (laughs) just like a little capitalist already. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's that. just like always been the kind of person that I am. I love to make stuff and I like to be involved in the things that I love, not just to consume them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that that has really led me pretty much directly to where I am today because I went on to doing things like, like writing fan fiction and doing text-based role play, like in worlds that I loved. Dragon Riders of Pern was like my big one for a long time. I've never heard of that. It is like a, God, how many books are in that series? Probably over a hundred. Anne McCaffrey wrote them until she was like 90 and then she passed them on to her son. And uh, I did stuff like that. And then I moved into like Disney fan dubs on YouTube and stuff like that. And then I sort of accidentally started being a YouTube person by, this is such a silly story. The first- the first like sort of viral video that I ever had, I was in college and I was in this Tumblr, Harry Potter role-playing community. And there was like ways to gain points for your house. And part of it was like, if you made a video, and I think most of the videos people were making were like, I'm a Ravenclaw because I love to read. Here's my books or whatever. But instead I decided to make an entire parody of Rebecca Black's Friday about Ravenclaws. (laughs) amazing and it sort of i put it on youtube to host it and then i put okay. it on tumblr to like get my house points for ravenclaw <laughs> and then i like blinked and two days later it had you know tens of thousands of views and wow. i didn't have any real subscribers on youtube this wasn't something i had ever experienced before i was like um i was featured on all these sites like uh I don't remember, there used to be like a nerd news site that had, oh, maybe it was Topless Robot. It was it was like one with a weird kind of sexist name. Anyway, and I was like an article feature on there and it was totally weird. I was getting all these comments and people were like, do Slytherin next, do Hufflepuff next or whatever. And at first I was like, No, I did Ravenclaw because I'm Ravenclaw. Like I'm not doing other houses. And the more I thought about it, I was like, but wouldn't that be so much fun to do the other houses? Mm -hmm. And at the time I was working at the Renaissance Festival. So I had one of my friends from FAIR like start working on these songs with me. We were going to team up and then we pulled in a visual effects artist to do all of the video stuff that we just happened to have met really recently at a 48 hour film festival. It was all just sort of it all just happened very suddenly based on who we knew in the moment. And we started making these videos and the production quality went like way up. So we formed Not Literally Productions and released the other, well, two (laughs) House Pride videos. Mm -hmm. Things happened that ended not Mm -hmm. well. The last Mm -hmm. House Pride video as well as other videos never ended up getting released. But I went on after that. I just got a taste of what it felt like to create stuff for YouTube. And I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And so After that whole thing ended, I started sort of striking out on my own and doing cosplay and videos on my own. And that was maybe eight years ago at this point. Wow. Man, time (laughs) passes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I did it just sort of hobby for a while and it was really fun. And I started almost like accidentally starting to make a little bit of money off of it, just because, you know, YouTube has built in advertising. I, people were wanting to get my songs on streaming services. So I had to distribute them to streaming services and then those start earning revenue. And I started doing some convention appearances as a cosplayer. And next thing I knew, I just didn't feel like I could grow what I was doing anymore without more time. So, that was, I was living in Southern New Mexico at the time and the cost of living was extremely low there. So I was very lucky to be able to quit my job and go full-time creative earlier than I would have if I were living in Denver where I'm living now. Mm. Um, much harder to, to make an appropriate living here in Denver. Um, but thankfully I had about a year and change in Southern New Mexico as a full-time creator to sort of build my business before we moved back to Denver where Mm -hmm. I was from before. And, uh, yeah, here, here I am now. I'm, I guess it was January, 2017, I think that I went Mm full-time and here we are today and I'm still doing it.
0: (laughs) Did you ever have like, like in college, were you like studying for something else? Or did you have like a different plan for your life before you realized that like, this was something you wanted to pursue full-time?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, I was getting an English degree and yeah, yeah. my, yeah, my yeah, whole know. plan was to be a writer, like mm-hmm. to write novels. And mm-hmm. honestly, like looking back on it now, I do think that part of the reason why I started to move into online content creation is that I had the same drives as the ones that made me want to write the mm-hmm. the the desire to tell stories and connect with people. All of that sort of creative instinct is what made me want to write. And that's also what makes me create online content. The main difference is that when you write, it takes, you know, oftentimes years before anybody sees what you're making. And there's a huge system of gatekeepers in place to decide what gets to, what gets to be distributed. Um, and self-publishing is like its own monster which has its pros and cons and being able to create stuff online. It's like I can make something and then people can see it the next day or even the same day, which is a completely different creative experience than writing sure. a book. I do think that I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's likely that I will at some point still try and write a book. Yeah. But, I was going to ask if that's still something <laughs> you have a desire to do. I set it aside for years. I actually I had made writing such a big part of my identity and reading. I was like a big reader. I was one of those people who who made books my identity for a really long time. <laughs> and in college when I when I was studying, I don't know like reading took on a really different feeling for me and for a while after college I pretty much only reread old favorites. I found it really hard to pick up new books yeah. um, and I found it hard to reincorporate reading into my leisure time. I, th- I was talking to some folks on my Patreon discord and we were talking about um, that experience that some people go through where we read a lot when we're younger and then we have some point during our education where reading changes for us and then there's this weird sort of guilt-laden Yes period of time where I felt, I felt guilty for not reading. I still feel guilty for not reading as much as I yeah, used to. I, very I don't know much if you to all that. this. Yes. I mean, I got a
0: literature degree and I then just kind of stopped reading, <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to like, for me, I feel like it's a time thing. I just, and especially considering what we do, like maybe if I had a normal job and I had set hours and, time in the evenings and on the weekends to myself, you know, maybe I would read more. But considering that our jobs are so all-consuming and we're literally always working. Absolutely. uh, It's just kind of difficult to have time to devote to reading, which is a bummer, you know, maybe later in life. (laughs) I'll get back to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I also feel like, and I don't know if you went through this, but the more that I learned about reading and writing, the more analytically I viewed everything that I read and it Mm -hmm. got a lot harder for me to enjoy certain things that I used to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And my bar got a lot higher for what I liked reading. These days, there's a lot of stuff that if I try to read it, you know, there are books that friends recommend that they really, really love. And I pick them up and I can't get through them. And I feel like a jerk for it, you know, like such a elitist. That's
0: That's how we feel about like movies and TV shows. Like once you're making it actively, it both, It gives you a greater appreciation for how difficult it is to make anything, but it also makes you much more analytical in terms of, like, I mean, it does for us anyway. We're like, why did they do this? This is bad. (laughs) Why didn't they give this script another pass? This is a rough draft script. Like, why didn't, you know what I mean? Like, all of that stuff, and it makes it a little harder sometimes to enjoy things, but that said, when something is really good... It's like really good. You're like, wow, yeah, I was really gonna nice.
1: say I completely agree with that. I feel like my appreciation for the things I love is so much deeper now. Yeah. I'm and I'm able to recognize why I love it so much and be yeah. even more impressed by all of that. But yeah, it definitely raised my bar. And and these days, like I, out of every like five to ten new books that I read, I think that I truly love like maybe one. Mm-hmm. And it used to be, I mean, I used to love most of the books that I read mm-hmm. when I was younger. Yeah. And it is just a really different experience.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also just a product of getting older and being yeah. exposed Maturing to more, and more and- things. And, yeah, knowing what you like and what you don't. Gosh, there's so much I could ask you about. I yeah. guess I wonder, and I don't mean this to come off in, like, a, a a gross way. I only ask because, like, I am in a community of actors. And I know that we are all, like, I mean, you are doing it. Like, you are completely at least in my mind, uh, you're a success. Like you are doing it. You are like booked up with sponsors all the time. You're doing what you want to be doing and making a a great living doing it, I think. And so I just wonder like, what does the future, like, what do you seek to be doing in the future? Like, what's the next goal for you? Or even not the next goal, but like multiple goals down the road, like we would love to,
1: write TV shows and win Emmys, you know? But like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. And to be honest, it's a question I've been asking myself a lot lately because Mm. I i mean, I definitely not to like, I don't, I don't want to sound like I think I'm hot shit or anything, but like I, I, I am at a at a better and more successful point than I've ever been in the work yeah. that I'm doing. And I, I am... think
0: anybody could look at you and go, oh, she's successful. So it's, <laughs> you're not bragging.
1: <laughs> thank, thank you. I, to be honest, like there's a lot that I'm still trying to figure out and, and wrap my head around. Like you mentioned being fully booked up with sponsorships. I actually, I, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming to have like demand that exceeds my capacity. It's a, it's a fantastic problem to have. Obviously I'm so thankful, but also like, I don't know. I worry constantly that I'm handling it wrong. Um, that I'm saying yes to the wrong things and no to the wrong things, or, or saying yes to too many things or, you know, just, I have all of those kind of concerns about things. So I think for now, my short term goals for like maybe the next year or two are really just all about control. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I guess like, like peace sort of as a, as a person, because I'm at this point now where I've spent so many years just sort of like hustling and scraping to try and get by and I don't have to scrape anymore. Like things are coming to me now and it's amazing and it's a completely different model. Like the way that I had to respond to things back when I needed every opportunity, that's a, that's a completely different mindset and a different set of like actions than than what I'm doing now so I'm having to completely reshape my brain and the way that I think about my business to reflect everything that's happening now and part of that for me is like I'm trying to outsource some things you know I'm working with a third-party shop thing now that like sends all my merch for me thank god because mm-hmm. when I sent out my calendars last year it was like three weeks of my poor
0: parents and my partner
1: 2500 calendars last year insane I cannot <laughs> I even begin to imagine doing I, that. I I literally, I told people, I was like, we will mail them out in the first week of November. And then I had my parents and Josh and me all sitting at the kitchen table, like assembly line packing calendars for straight days, like three, four straight days. We couldn't, like, it still took more than two weeks to get everything sent out. I literally just could not keep up with the schedule I had set. I was so, I wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. And that kind of stuff is just like, that's been the process I've been going through all year is realizing the systems I have in place are not adequate for the way that my (laughs) business is now. So I'm having to rethink everything. So yeah, like in the next year, I I really do want to feel like I I have control, (laughs) like I'm on top of things. Longer term, I definitely think uh, I would like to move more into being able to not do every part of every project, you know? I mm. I've gotten to where I am now by being every role and I just don't yeah. Time is no longer my most plentiful resource. So Well, I definitely you're such a like jack of
0: all trades. You do so many things and you do them all so well. And I'm also impressed that you do them all yourself. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know you work with like a songwriter and stuff and and you have other people here and there, but like mostly it's just you. Yeah, I don't know. I truly don't know how you do all of it i'm so impressed by it and you're always like like you put out good work it's not like you're doing everything and some of it's like kind of crappy you know what i mean like the the work like levels to fit whatever you're you're like okay i'm gonna do this now and then you do it and
1: it's really good and
0: thank you forever impressive
1: to me i definitely feel like i do a lot of stuff that's not very good but i i also think every creator probably feels that way about their own work you know we see every flaw Yes. I
0: think part of our, not necessarily problem at Shipwrecked, we have a uh, plenty of problems. Most of them <laughs> is lack of money, but um, <laughs> we are t- very precious about like what we want to put out, which is good on one hand because we like hold ourselves to a pretty high standard and we don't want to just like be flinging stuff out just to be doing it. But at the same time, I think sometimes we should be a little less like tight to the chest and like be a little, feel a little freer to like try new things and like and do other stuff. Tony, I'm super impressed that you that you do so much.
1: Thank you. I definitely feel like I seesaw between those two extremes a lot. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I am I need to pull back and be a little bit more thoughtful about each individual piece that I'm releasing. And then other times I feel like I do need to let go more and sort of loosen the reins. And I think I you know, I go through these like waves where one is a problem and then and then I overcorrect and then it's a different mm-hmm. problem in the next wave. Because I definitely, when I started doing weekly YouTube videos, that really changed the way that I make video. Because mm. previous to that, I was sometimes making like one video every two or three months. And now that I make them every week, like I don't have any leeway to to be too intense about any given project. I just need to be mm-hmm. like, well, this is what we're doing. We're gonna do the best we can. <laughs>
0: I genuinely don't know how you do that. I mean, I did that for a while for some time, and that was like my main thing. But you do so
1: many things. And I was really inspired audition. by YouTube videos when i when I first like started doing weekly videos, that was I was like coming off of having spent the last like the previous like six months watching your your makeup unboxing videos and like all of the regular videos that you did on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed by, like, I don't know. I feel like what you did so well, I mean, still do so well, but like back when you were like being really, Mm -hmm. really regular about it, one of the things that I think was working for you is just that I just think you have such a good, strong, like personality on camera. And I think that's Mm -hmm. like what people connect with, especially Mm -hmm. on YouTube, Mm -hmm. people connect with people. Mm -hmm. And so even like, I don't, I mean, I don't care that much about makeup, but I watched all your makeup (laughs) unboxing stuff because I just- because you just felt like I was hanging out with you. That's I look nice. back at it
0: now and I'm like, why did I do
1: those? <laughs> What, I feel I, that about a lot of my old what videos it was,
0: what a weird choice I was making also I do watch some of those videos now and I just feel like a different human being I'm like who is that person um <laughs> but that's all very sweet thank you I mean ultimately I got to a point it was fun and it was like that was not long after the Lizzie Bennett days so it was like kind of an extension of something that people were already used to in terms of seeing me every week you know on Lizzie Bennett. but then I got to a point where I was like why am I doing this like this I'm not <laughs> trying to be like a YouTube person I'm trying to be an actor and this is taking up so much of my time and I think I also just got a little burned out which is something I and I'm I'm sure all creatives do I'm sure you have experienced I, I feel like I experienced that quite a bit in terms of like like right now doing my like weekly Anne episodes which I have loved doing but I've like been doing them for a couple years now and I'm starting to hit a point where I'm like okay like I I feel done with this now.
1: Yeah. But that's one of the things that I love so much about being an online creator is that you yes. get to make that call. Totally. Like if you decide that you're done with it, if you're yeah. like, "Okay, that was a fun few years and now that's over." Yeah. You can decide that. That's yeah. and I feel like I do that all the time. I just hit a point yeah. where I'm like, "Cool. That was yeah. fun. Next." Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like
0: if like in the future future, like do you just do you would you like to be doing more music? Would you like to be doing more like acting or you want to just keep doing cosplay like do you have any specific like or are you just kind of I feel like you just kind of go where the wind takes you and where your creativity leads and do you feel like that's just kind of what you want to do from here on out
1: yeah I definitely feel like I kind of just follow what I'm excited about most of the times and mm-hmm. it's hard to plan that too far ahead sure. right now I definitely feel really excited about music I'm mm-hmm. hoping to do my first full original album um, next year, which That's so cool. yeah, is exciting and never something I thought that I would ever do because I've always thought of myself as, and I think this is a little bit just a self-esteem problem, but I think I've always thought of myself as like, I don't really do music. I'm not really a musician. Mm-hmm. I'm just like a YouTuber who sometimes does music. Mm-hmm. And I've always sort of felt like I only get away with it. And people only think that it's good because it's like in a really specific context. Mm-hmm. There's no part of me that thinks I could like be a, be a musician like exclusively Mm -hmm. but I am starting to feel like I'm allowed to just love making music and make that a bigger part of my business and if people don't like it then they can show me with their views and their clicks or whatever (laughs) and we'll go from there
0: I mean I definitely relate to that I never thought I was I never considered myself like a singer and now that's so much a part of what I do in such a I mean lovely way like I love it I love that I've gotten to do so much singing in my career but I never I was always like I'm not good enough to like do musical theater but
1: but you are <laughs> thanks. You're also
0: great at music.
1: Oh, thanks. <laughs> Tell it to my college's musical theater program, which rejected me. Hey, I, I didn't get
0: into any musical theater programs that I auditioned for, so. Just
1: proves that they have terrible taste. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Although I do feel like I have improved quite a bit since that time in my life.
1: I have too. And I also, <laughs> I mean, I even today, like even with all of the experience that I have now behind a camera, I still have absolutely terrible live stage presence. Like just... I just miserable. I I'm even awkward true. at karaoke. Like, it's bad. I don't know that I believe that. But <laughs> I
0: I don't love that sort of thing. Obviously, I don't mind being in front of people in terms of, like, being in a play or something. But yeah. just as myself, I can't really imagine ever just being like, here I am for a night of entertaining you. <laughs> I, feel, I feel really weird about that. Considering that you do have, like, so many sponsorships, and I, I'm i so impressed I feel like most people that I follow that are like influencers that get sponsored just kind of do the like, here I am with this product, looking cute. (laughs) And you put so much work into all of them. And they're all so like interesting and fun. And like your little like videos that you make where you like write a script and make characters and like all this (laughs) stuff. And I'm so impressed by that. Um, And I can see that that's why, you know, you are so booked up because people are like, whoa, this is like cool. (laughs) This is like cooler than what most people would do. Do you you. ever feel like you're getting sick of doing that and just want to like do your own thing or create your own stuff? Are you like, okay with, with the, the opportunities that you're getting in terms of like little mini creations with these sponsorships?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird because I feel like I was worried at first when I started doing these little skits and shorts and stuff for ads. At first, my main goal with it was just I was seeing in my YouTube metrics that people were skipping past my ads. Mm. And I was just afraid that if people weren't watching them, that either it would drive down my YouTube views in general, that people Mm. would be like, oh, she has so many ads and they would just stop watching me um, or slash, and that people would skip over the ad breaks. It would not benefit the sponsor at all. And people would stop sponsoring me because they weren't getting any sales. You know, like the whole point is that it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be driving them traffic, you know? And I was worried that I wasn't by doing boring ad breaks. So I started doing things that were more interesting just with the goal of like getting people to watch the ads. That was my primary goal. I was like, how can I get people to not click away? Mm -hmm. And the more that I did them and the more I started getting comments from people who were like, oh my God, I love your ads. Like, it's so weird. I actually look forward to your ads. Your ads are so funny. I never skip your ads. And I love hearing that because for me, it's, it's two things. Like it's, it's not only me being able to offer something real to a sponsor because I would feel like such a hack if Mm. a sponsor like paid me and then I just like phoned it in and then and just like didn't do anything. You know, I want that to be a mutually beneficial relationship for for not just me and for the sponsor, but also for my followers. Like I Mm -hmm. want them to benefit from the ads I'm showing them. I want them to see stuff they're interested in and that might actually be helpful to them. I feel like the ideal relationship is I get paid, sponsor gets sales and followers find things that they like that are cool. That's like the perfect situation and it doesn't Mm -hmm. always work that way, but- I would like it to, and at first I was afraid that I would like run out of ideas, but I find that the more that I do them, the more ideas that I have, and it's, it's almost like doing, it's less like doing ads and more like doing comedy shorts, and I don't know, I just like, I like making them.
0: (laughs) You're also so, you're so business savvy, just hearing you talking about looking at your analytics and stuff, that is something that I am not, (laughs) like, (laughs) need to be better at and like really diligent about certain things like i don't know figuring out what works on instagram and like being uh intentional about like growing myself that way and like looking at youtube analytics and all that you're so good at all of that stuff
1: and oh I'm very thank impressed. you i feel like i i only look at like a few analytics and sometimes i forget about certain ones for a long time and then i go mm-hmm. back and look at them and i'm like oh yeah that Probably would have been a smart thing to pay attention to, <laughs> especially YouTube. They throw you so much data. They're just like, they here's do. a massive sprawling analytics platform with like thousands of data points. Good luck.
0: Yeah, it's overwhelming. And I think that's part of why I kind of don't really even mess with it because I'm just like, ah, it's too much. But I yeah, think you do a really good job of all that.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also just like I-, I find marketing interesting. I find social yeah. media marketing interesting. I don't know why. I just I just find it fascinating. It's like a puzzle to me, sort of. And Mm -hmm. I just like data. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I
1: think I think I'm lucky in that I have just an interest in that stuff. And it ends up being useful. It's not like I, I don't think I have enough self control that I would like be paying attention to data if I didn't also find it interesting, you know, totally,
0: totally. Yeah, that definitely helps. Well, you do. You do great. You're so smart. Would you mind to answer some questions from my patrons? I would love to answer some questions from your patrons. All right. Let's see what they said. This is from Liesl. She says, my question for Jenny, I really love your D&D content, especially the conversations with my Dice series. I agree. They're very cute. Oh, thanks. Uh, Yeah. How did you originally get into D&D and what's the best piece of advice you have for those who want to play but are intimidated
1: to? Like me. (laughs) Is that you that you're, you're intimidated to MK or is yeah. that what Liesl wrote? Okay. I mean, I don't know
0: that I would, Liesl did write that. Um, I <laughs> I don't know that I would necessarily, I don't know that intimidation is the problem. I'm just a little like, oh, this feels like a huge thing that would take up too much like of a my big time. commitment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I don't, but I feel like I probably would enjoy it if I ever did it.
1: Yeah, so for me, I got into D&D by... Um, I started listening to Critical Role. Like, in I say listening because I mostly listen to it as a podcast. I don't mm-hmm. watch it as much because podcasts are very easy to listen to while you're sewing. That's mm-hmm. the main reason that I do that. Um, totally. But I picked it up because I was doing a bunch of sewing. I felt like I had really played out all the podcasts I was listening to and I didn't know what else to watch or listen to. And one of my friends recommended it. And I started it and I was like, this is crazy. Why am I listening to people play D&D? Like, it mm-hmm. seemed... I was like, I'll give it a try, you know? Mm-hmm. And thankfully, because it's a long show, Critical mm-hmm. Role, there's a lot of content. And thankfully, I was working on some major sewing project. I don't remember what it was at the time, but I just had a lot of time to kill. So I was willing to commit, like, you know, 10, 12 hours to just trying it out and seeing how I liked <laughs> C- it. See you liked it. Yeah, and I found myself getting really into it, and I surprised myself. And the more that I listened to it, the more I was like, oh... I feel like I finally get why people like D&D because mm. I had tried it before. Uh, when I worked at the Renaissance Festival, we camped at the fairgrounds overnight over the summers. And at one point, somebody was like, we had all been drinking and it was late at night and somebody was like, we should play a D&D game. And everybody who loved D&D was like, yeah. And we had like 11 people in this tent and they like tried to get us started setting up characters. And just for context, making a new D&D character takes like, like, two hours, I remember basically. that,
0: like, some of Sean's friends a few years ago were going to start uh, doing it, like, across the country, like, friends from high school. And he, like, started to build his character, and he was like, I can't, I can't do
1: this. <laughs> I'm out. It's so much. I, yeah. I mean, it really is, like, a huge... I mean, it's a huge time commitment even to create a character, let alone to start playing. And then once you're playing, it's the kind of thing where you really do need a lot of time at the table for the story to start to unfold. Nothing exciting happens in the first, you know, hour of playing D&D. And even, like, combat is, it takes a while to get into the rhythm. Sometimes you'll be fighting, like, three monsters and it'll take two hours. So, like, it's it's a lot like it's a big time commitment and mm-hmm. when you're in it and you're interested and you're like playing with your friends and you are like invested it doesn't feel like it's that long mm-hmm. but just from an outside perspective it's a long time and so i had i had tried it like twice in situations like that where we started too late. There wasn't enough prep. Not everybody knew what was going on and people had been drinking. Always a bad idea. Like never, <laughs> never start D&D when you're already drinking and it's past 9pm. That's just a bad idea. That's my advice <laughs> for Liesl about starting playing d and I love that. Um, but I felt like with Critical Role, I finally understood why people liked it. I, yeah. I like got it. I had always been like, why do people do this? This is miserable. Mm. And then I listened to them like improvising an emotional and personal and funny story with their friends. And I was like, oh, Mm. I see. So I contacted some friends that I knew had played before and just tried to get a game set up and I was extremely lucky. Now I know how hard it is to get a game set up and going and happening regularly. Mm. And I'm amazed that we were able to do it. Mm -hmm. I think I just happened to grab people who had a spot in their life for that kind of thing mm-hmm. at that moment, mm-hmm. which can be really hard to find. Yeah. And I, I definitely think if anybody does want to start playing, like a good place to start, especially if you're not sure if you'd be really into it, is to get some friends together, find somebody who has already DM'd before, mm-hmm. and just do like a one-shot. Do something low commitment. Mm-hmm. Like have a game night and just plan on playing through a like a four-hour one-shot on like a on like a Saturday afternoon or something. Honestly, I know that it's easy to just drink socially while you're doing something like that, but I highly recommend not drinking when you're learning D&D because it's easy to get tired and distracted. And
0: yeah, that sounds
1: like good advice. (laughs) Yeah. And if you, I think if you follow those two things, if you start small with low commitments, you can see whether or not you like it. And Mm -hmm. like, you don't want to start a group with people and then later realize those aren't the people you want to be playing with. Mm -hmm. So a one shot gives you a chance to really just feel it out.
0: Thanks. Yeah. I, um, I'm a total D and D newbie. I don't know anything about it. My brother really likes to play it, so I guess <laughs>
1: I could ask him. For, I mean, so I, 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 mean, I, mean, I'm sure you guys have enough that. on your plate <laughs> with Headless, but there were like there were talks in Twitter replies about how cool it would be for like a stretch goal or something to be a shipwrecked D and D game.
0: Yeah, yeah, you are right. And that was not something we had previously thought about, but it's something we are considering. And you have a lot of D&D people involved in that project now, so... Well, also, uh, Gabe, too. Obviously, like, I want to say, like, we didn't, like, set out to be like, we're going to get all these D&D people. We just kind of, like, knew you, knew you'd be great for Verla. I had worked with Matt years ago, and we don't want to divulge too much about his character but the like immediately upon writing it he was the only person in our brain Um, plus like the fact that he is wildly famous is, you know, a bonus. Um, and then Christina is somebody that I didn't even know, like Sinead had scoped her out a while back and she was just like, this girl's so cool. She does all this cool stuff. We just like thought she'd be awesome and wanted to work with her. So anyway, it just like all kind of happened that we got all these D&D people. Also Gabe, who we've worked with for years is super into D&D and, like has his own thing, doing it on Twitch and stuff. So we're like, okay, I guess we're going to have to do this.
1: (laughs) That's awesome, though. I love that. And that's such like a an interesting and weird sort of like crossover especially Mm -hmm. because I mean I've definitely found that when when my role as Verla was announced a lot of my followers were like oh I love Shipwrecked and I know that a lot of your guys followers were like oh it's Ginny so yeah there's like more crossover than these in these worlds than we think there is really truly like I didn't I guess like
0: because there's just not a lot of talk about D&D like in our like, circles, because I guess, like, why would they necessarily bring it up? Because that's not what we are or what we do. But, like, as soon as this, like, you know, people started being announced that we're in that community, everybody is so excited. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, great.
1: That's cool. Um, I had that, like, same experience when I got into Critical Role. I had not... I felt like I had not heard of it before (laughs) until my friend recommended it. I, I don't think I had ever... I mean I guess if I had heard the that combination of words I like didn't recognize it I had no understanding of what it was but then as soon as I got into it a huge proportion of my followers were like oh my god I can't believe you're into critical role I love critical role and mm-hmm. it's yeah it's like why would they bring it up to me if I don't watch it mm-hmm. you know like why would it have come up but then right, once it exactly. does there's so much in common
0: How do you feel? I mean, I feel like at this point you are like a big part of that community in terms of like a lot of people know who you are. Uh, You've like made a name for yourself as a jester or a cosplayer. Like,
1: how does that feel? What is that like? I mean, first of all, I'm extremely grateful for it. I love Critical Role a lot. I hold it like very dear to my heart. It is (laughs) one of those shows. It's one of those shows that like really changed the course of my life in a way mm-hmm. that very few pieces of media ever do. Yeah. And like, it's gonna forever be a huge part of my story and like yeah. the arc of my creative journey. Yeah. Um, And I'm like so glad that so many Critical Role fans like my work. It's like an amazing thing to me. I have been trying over the last two years to really sort of like build my own little spot in the D&D world that's not just like me sort of riding on Critical Role's shoulders, because as much as I love them, I feel like I have so much of my own stuff that I want to bring to the table too. Of course. Uh, yeah. And for a while it was definitely starting to look like when I did when I cosplayed Arya from Game of Thrones for like 5 years, yeah. I I sort of accidentally ended up in this space where that was all anybody wanted to see from me. And anytime mm. I tried to do something else, people would be like, "I just see Arya Stark dressed as whatever." And that was like really frustrating yes. as a creative person to feel like I was being pigeonholed into this thing and like I yes. wasn't allowed to escape it, even though I was grateful for all the Uh, opportunities that it afforded me so when that sort of started to creep in with jester i was like nope i know where Mm. this is going i want to make sure that i'm not just the jester cosplayer Mm because i have more to offer than that i think of course yeah and of course i still like deeply love jester and i spent a year and a half putting on full blue face paint like every three Mm -hmm. weeks and i don't I don't miss that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm really excited about their third campaign. I'm excited to see what they do for it. Yeah, and- can you tell, can you inform me?
0: <laughs> about where they are because i know the second one just ended yes right so yeah like, where so where are they now
1: <laughs> the easiest comparison for people who don't know critical role is basically think about a show like true detective or american horror story where each season's a different uh right. story mm-hmm. that that's what they do with the campaigns so campaign one's done campaign two is now over they're doing a little eight episode mini series in between campaigns two and three presumably while they get campaign three all set up um matt's not dming they have a new dm abria i'm i keep I kept reading her name before I heard it, and I'm worried that I had it wrong in my head. Quitty? Yes, yep. And she's fantastic. I just started watching. I'm not even all the way through the first episode, but she's awesome. And seeing Matt as a player is also really fun. That's fun. Um but as soon as that's done, they'll go into, well, maybe not as soon as I don't know if they'll have a break. But then they'll start up campaign three and it'll be all new characters, but all within the same world. I see. So, if anybody's like interested in getting into Critical Role, this little eight-episode miniseries, *Exandria mm-hmm. Unlimited*, is a fantastic place to start because it's very limited. It's like you're not committing yourself to one hundred and fifty episodes, right? And it'll just give you a feel for what the show is like.
0: That's great. I also know, I believe you have a video that's like where, like, oh about yeah, I have. A how, how do I get into watching Critical? Yeah, role. how do I
1: get into Critical Role? It's like a little bit outdated now because some mm. stuff has changed since I released it. But it sure. it is sort of like a good basic overview of how the show works.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, thank you for explaining some of it to me. It's so, yeah, I don't know. It's, so, it's like weirdly complicated. It's just not
1: a structure we're used to, I think. It's, it's such a huge thing.
0: And it's so weird to like know that it's so popular and also like... Have worked with some of these people in the past, or like peripherally, and then and also know very little about it and like (laughs) not understand it at all.
1: But it um, is like sometimes I am genuinely just I I can't I almost can't believe that a show where you watch people sit at a table and roll dice and talk to each other for four to six hours a week every week is this popular yeah like sometimes i just can't wrap my brain around it and it's i wild. sometimes i don't even know why i love it so i mean i do know <laughs> why i love it but like from an outside perspective i'm like what the heck yeah. is wrong with us i think it's like part of that
0: like you feel like you know these people because you've spent so much time with them and, and yeah there
1: are like, a lot of D shows out there and yeah. very very few of them are ever going to receive a fraction of the audience that critical role does because well their their dynamic at the table is just so compelling like you just Mm. love them Mm. that's cool and also they're all like extremely
0: talented people in terms oh yeah like performing in the work that they do
1: there so yeah the fact that people often accuse them of scripting critical role is like testament to how good they are at improvising yeah Yeah. (laughs) i i believe that
0: i believe they're all great at that that's cool (laughs) well we're excited to get to know more about it and maybe eventually play some DD ourselves.
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> Final question. What part of the cosplay and or D&D community, this is from Maddie. What part of the cosplay and or D&D community do you find to be the most
1: enjoyable and why? What part of the community? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a few years ago I would say like I would say like conventions and getting to hang out with people in person and like getting to meet and see people in person. There's something really fun and exciting about that atmosphere. Uh, just being able to like run into somebody in a costume you recognize and have that sort of like instant kinship. But mm-hmm. to be honest, like that world feels so distant from me now. Yeah. Like it's been almost two years since I've, well, it's been like a year and a half since I've been to a convention, which yeah. is wild. Yeah. And, I, and I don't like, I don't know how it's gonna feel to go back to it, but yeah. during During quarantine, I don't know, like I really loved getting to explore how we do community in the cosplay world online Mm -hmm. with that option taken away. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the creative ways that people connected during quarantine, like the pass the brush challenge and stuff, were so cool. Like just the ways that people found options for connecting with each other when we were all stuck at home was really interesting. And I'm a person who loves I mean, I I just, like, thrive being in my own little space where I have all of the control, just making stuff and then, like, putting it out when I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, I don't know. I I feel like this was the first time that I felt like the rest of the community was, like, also doing kind of the same thing as me. There were definitely, like, there have been times when I've been, like, am I just, like, a hermit in relation to this community, just staying home and making stuff? So seeing everybody kind of explore that, I don't know. I think in some ways... I feel like it brought the online cosplay community closer together. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Before that, I definitely feel like the key thing that brought the cosplay community online together was like conflict, which is is less great. So I feel like this was a good good way to bring some positive connectivity to the, it was the silver lining of not being able to go to cons.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that, even though obviously it's been a weird time for everybody. It's nice that maybe some some good came out of it in that way.
1: Yeah. that's cool. Of course, I'm like really pumped to be able to get to go back to con soon, though. I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I'm
0: sure. I'm
1: sure. I'm, I'm excited
0: to get to uh, do things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doing okay. things. What's that like?
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, Jenny, thank you so much. This has been so delightful to chat with you. Thank you for sharing your insight and your wisdom and your creative brain with us.
1: Of Appreciate course, it. I'm always happy to monologue at you, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine most everybody is already following you, but if they're not, where can they find you?
1: Oh, you can find me on the internet everywhere as Ginny D, G-I-N-N-Y like Ginny Weasley and D-D-I like Princess Di, but pronounced like D because Ginny Di sounds aggressive. And I didn't think about it when I was branding myself. <laughs> Sometimes they announce me at a con,
0: they'll be like, Ginny, die! And I'm like, oh, God. No. Oh, please no. <laughs> well, I'm very much looking forward to hopefully spending some more time with you later this year. And uh, lots more fun to come. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me on.
0: Yay. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Ginny. Isn't she just the coolest? I love her so much and I'm really thankful that we have been able to maintain a friendship for so many years even though we don't live in the same place I just uh, I admire her and I'm so proud of her and I look up to her and she's just she's just such an awesome person. And this is, of course, where I plug Headless. If for some reason you haven't watched it yet, you should absolutely go watch it. She is so incredible as Verla, who is one of our favorite characters of all time. And she just absolutely kills it. And also it was like, you know, like she kept being like, I'm not really an actor. This is, I don't know what, like, film sets are like and what film terms are, and she you just would never have known. She just absolutely smashed it. She was so wonderful, and we love her so much. And uh, she will also be appearing in our upcoming Shipwrecked Comedy audio project, The Case of The Greater Gatsby. Uh, So be sure and keep an ear out for that if you are the audio uh, narrative podcast loving type. Uh, We haven't set a release date yet but i can tell you that it uh, it will be soon All right, everybody. I'm not sure who my next guest is going to be that I will be releasing publicly, but you can expect another installment of Dear Old World coming up in a couple weeks with another wonderful guest. And again, if you just can't wait, go check out all these episodes on my Patreon where you will hear interviews um, with bonus content at the end of each episode. And uh, yeah, just so much more goodness over there. Oh, And of course, I should have shouted out Jenny's Patreon. I mean, she's got so many patrons it's wild her patreon is like massive but if if you perchance are not yet a patron of jenny d's and you're interested in the amazing stuff that she does go by all means join her patreon and support her so she can keep making more amazing things all right everybody thanks so much for listening i hope you have a great rest of whatever you're doing, and I'll be back again with another Dear Old World. Thanks for listening. Dear Old World is produced by me, Mary-Kate Wiles. The music is by Dylan Glathorn. My podcast art is by Sophie Lesher,
1: and this episode was edited by Lizzie Goldsmith.